0: The book of Hebrews, chapter 12. It's towards the back of the Bible, as you can see. Hebrews 12. Today's message, the title of today's message is this Seven Reasons Not to Quit. I'm gonna give you a reason for every day this week. You're not quitting this week because every day you have a reason not to quit by the time we're done. Sometimes people quit for various reasons, you know, and quitting can be different for everybody. You know how many times have life life just gets hard? (laughs) It's not easy all the time, is it? If it's all sunshine and roses, you know, we might be in fairyland or something. It's not. Life gets hard. Sometimes we lose one too many jobs or one too many opportunities and we just get discouraged and we quit. Or there's a loss of a loved one. Or maybe it was a loss of a marriage and you just haven't moved forward. Maybe it's a loss of a child or maybe it's your health. Sometimes your health, you know, health problems can really put you in a bad, discouraging spot. If you keep having the same health problem or your child or a relative that you're caring for has health problems. These things cause us to quit sometimes. Sometimes it's maybe not external, but it's internal. You know, the kind where you just don't want to get up in the morning. The kind that just kind of stops you first thing in the morning. Kind of weary. Daily life has lost its glimmer. You feel a little lost. Have you ever done this where you're still moving on the outside, but on the inside, you're stopped? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where the outside just keeps going. You keep going to work. You keep making the meals. You keep doing the things that you're supposed to do, but the inside is stopped. As believers, as people who know God, we do have a baseline when these things happen. We keep pushing because we know God is good. We keep pushing because we know God is real. And we keep pushing because we know God loves us. We know those things, so we keep going. But we're not supposed to just drudge through life. The Bible says we're supposed to live life and life abundantly. We're supposed to thrive in life, right? That's what God wants for us. But as believers, we can encounter discouragement and weariness, and we can encounter this loss of heart where we want to quit. So you're not immune from that as a believer, but you do have a baseline. So oftentimes you'll just keep coming to church, right? You just keep doing the things you know are good to do, but on the inside, something's not. Something's off. Can I tell you, when you feel like that, that's a dangerous place to be as a believer, but you got to recognize it and address it. So don't just keep going and never go back and say, okay, what's going on in my heart? Right? So today we're going to go into our heart a little bit. And we're going to ask the Lord to help us not to quit. Right? Seven reasons not to quit. Number one, you are not alone that's the first reason not to quit. You are not alone. Many have walked the same road. In fact, in Hebrews 11, I'm going to interrupt the author of Hebrews here. Hebrews 11, he's talking about all the men and women who've gone before you, who have conquered giants and done these awesome things. But he goes on for a long time. And I know some of you want to go to lunch. Just so I'm going to interrupt his message here. And we're going to go to verse 30 of chapter 11. It says this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. When she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me, and today it would, to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle. And it also says, still others had trials of mocking and scourging. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and some lacked and some wandered on their own, the Bible says. So although there was victories in. and wins. there was also losses and lack and tribulation and trial. And what is the author of Hebrews saying? You're not alone because there's been people who know God, who've gone through the same thing that you did. Many have followed God, have come before you. Many of these God-fearing men and women have gone through loss, difficulty, sickness, trials and tribulation, victory and a fight. Most of them have had to fight for it. How many of you had to fight for it before? It's a fight. You win, but it's a fight. Author of Hebrews is saying this, you're not alone. There's been people who've had to fight. You're not alone. All these same people who experienced the same trials are witnesses to the good news of which your life has been saved by. The Bible goes on to say that they endured because of a promise, a promise which they receive once you and I have finished They endured because of a promise, the Bible says. They went through the trial. They went through the tribulation. They went through the trouble with endurance because of a promise. And that promise is only fulfilled when you and I finish our race. That's what the Bible says. That's exciting it's kind of like this. Anybody like relay races? Who loves a good relay race? Come on, raise your hand nice and high if you like relay races. Okay. Put them down. Now, how many of you hate relay races because it depends on somebody else to win? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. My boys over here. So here's the deal. There have been history, hundreds of years of people serving God who have run their race and they get to the end of their part of the relay and they hand the baton to you and say, Now it's your turn. And that's what they're saying to you today. It's your turn now. Finish the race so we can all receive the promise. Don't quit. You are not alone. I finished my part. Now you finish your part. You are not alone. Look at your neighbor and say, Reason number one is you're not alone. First John 1, 3 through 4. We just finished reading in First John in our journal reading. Anybody remember that? It's good, huh? First John's a good book. It's short, but it's good. Short, it's good. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship. Say fellowship. fellowship. With us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship. There's another way you are not alone. Number one way is that you have been surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Number two is this. You have fellowship. I hate fellowship. Fellowship's a Christianese word. Well, yeah, it is because it only applies to believers. So fellowship, let me explain the difference and give you an example of what fellowship is. My friend Mandy and I, we've been friends for 20 years. Um, when I pick, when I've had a bad day, anybody have a bad day? Can pastors have bad days? Yes, they can. Everybody should be nodding their head. We can. We're normal. We're human beings. We have bad days. But what I do with my bad day is my choice, right? So I call my friend Mandy sometimes and I'll call her and I say, oh, man, I'm walking through some stuff. And she'll say to me, yeah, but you've been here before and you know the answer to these things, don't you? I go, yeah, I do. Well, let's talk about what God is doing. And, and we begin to encourage each other. And we begin to talk to each other. God has always been good to you. Look what he's done. Look at the blessing that the Lord has placed in your life. Yep, you're in the middle of a trouble. You're in the middle of a trial or a tribulation, but God's good. And we begin to encourage one another. She may say something along the lines of, yeah, I was having some struggles too. Would you pray with me? I'll pray with you over there. And, oh, and remember that scripture that we read this week? Let me tell you about that scripture. And we began to go back and forth like Elizabeth and Mary. Something jumps up on the inside of us and says, yeah, but God. Yeah, but God. So we encourage each other. That's fellowship. When I have a bad day and I call her on the phone, we have a conversation. I hang up the phone. I don't have a worse day. I have a better day. Ever have those conversations with some people? You may say, oh, I'm having a bad day. And they go, oh, yeah, I'll have a real bad day. And they go on for like 15 minutes. You're like, oh, I should never open my mouth in the first place, right? You don't want that kind of conversation. That's not fellowship. That's just talking. There's a difference. I want the fellowship. I want the stuff that strengthens my heart, that causes me to believe God more than I called him, but I believed him when I called my friend. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. This is why we say come to church on a regular basis. Come into services. Why? We ex- we're wanting you to have fellowship with one another. We're contributors. We're not just takers. We don't just come into church, listen to a message, and leave. We contribute. We encourage one another, don't we? Say, I'm a contributor. Oh, everybody should say that one. Say it again. I'm a contributor. <laughs> I'm a contributor. When I come in, I encourage somebody. Somebody's going to get encouraged because of me. Right? I'm going to serve somewhere. Somebody's going to be blessed because of my life. That's another message. That's good. You could say amen all day long over there. I was good. It was worth an amen or two. When we just talk, we don't get the same connection that reassures us that we are not alone. But when we have fellowship, we get reassured that we're not alone, that God's on our side. Give your neighbor a high five and say, you're not alone. Reason number two, you ready? To not quit. This is for Monday. When you wake up and you want to quit, it says this, you have not, you have a race to finish. That's reason number two. Write that down. You have a race to finish. Hebrews twelve one says, let us run. Well, I'm in John still. I'm pull, pull pull over here. It says, let us run with endurance. Say endurance. The race that is set before us. Each of us have a race to run and to finish. And to finish. Your race could be a degree you're completing. Maybe you're in school. And you're completing a degree the Lord has instructed you to complete. That's your race. Every morning you get up, you're going to complete that race. It may be a job you're advancing in. It may be a specific coworker who needs the hope that's on the inside of you. And when you go to see them, you know, I'm bringing hope to this situation right now. Right? Right? It could be the kids you're raising to love God with all their heart, soul, mind and strength that's your race. And I'm finding out that they aren't just raised when they're 17, 18. There's a lot more to it after that. Hey Amen, I know, I'm figuring that out right now. It may be grandkids you're impacting and influencing. It may be a spouse you've committed your lifelong love to, and they need to be loved for all your life long. That's your race. It could be a ministry that the Lord is giving you and you're stewarding it well because that's your race. And one more, it could be you learning to serve God with all of your heart. That could be your race in the morning. I'm going to give you everything today, God. That's when you've fallen in love with the Lord. I'm going to give it to y'all today. You get all my love today, right? That could be your race. My race, and everybody's race is different. Don't ever try and run somebody else's race. You will get tired or die, one or the other. Don't run somebody else's race. Run your own race. I can't run someone else's race. I can only run mine. So I ask the Lord, Lord, what's my race? What is, what is my why when I get up in the morning? And this is what I got for me. I'd encourage you at some point, know what it is. It's to worship God in whatever season I'm in. It's to give myself to the work he has given me. Whatever work he's put in my hand, it's to give myself to that work. That could be with children. It could be with my spouse. It can be in ministry. It can be with whatever he has in whatever season for me. That I'm to give myself to the work that he has in my hand. And to love people better than I did yesterday. That's my race. It's simple. To worship, to give, and to love. Reason number three, to not quit. I'm going to tell you this reason after I preach it to you because this requires some preaching. Yes. I like to preach. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, I want to read this to you. Looking unto Jesus, say, looking. Looking. Okay, remember that word. Put that on the side. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. Say consider. Put that on the other side. Remember those two words. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. If you have become weary and discouraged in your soul, you know what the answer is? According to the author of Hebrews, look and consider perspective, weariness and discouragement come from a lack of perspective. Look and consider. Well, let me tell you this. Jesus is our example. And he was looking to someone while he ran his race. He had an accurate perspective. The Bible says it was who for the joy that was set before him endured. Say endured. He endured because there was joy set before him. Jesus came. God came as flesh to earth and he had to endure. How did he do it? He looked at something. Do you know what he was looking at? Proverbs 8 says that we're his delight. He was looking at the joy that was set before him. Do you know what that joy was? It was you and me. He saw your face. Every time he experienced hostility. Every time he was rejected. Every time they came to kill him, he saw your face. And that's what gave him the ability to endure. Because he saw you. When they laid the stripes on his back, he saw you. This is how he endured. He endured because of the joy of seeing you. Praise the Lord. He saw you. Looking unto Jesus, listen, the author and finisher of whose faith? Our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Let me ask you, who are you looking at? What's your why? In the morning, what are you looking at? Are you looking at Jesus to endure? Because life sometimes takes endurance. It takes discipline. It takes diligence. It takes putting those feet on the ground and saying, I'm looking to Jesus and no one else. And I'm going to move forward one step at a time because my eyes are fixed. I'm looking to Jesus today. And that's what causes us to endure trials, tribulation, and trouble. If Jesus needed something to look to, to endure, what he's saying to us today is look to me so that you can endure. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wanted to quit. What? Jesus wanted to Yeah, he did. The Bible says he did. He said to the Father, if this could pass from me, let it pass, please. But not my will, but yours be done. He wanted to quit, but it was for the joy. There's no shame in wanting to quit. But know this. Where are you looking? Look to Jesus. Come on, return the gaze. He looked to you. He's asking you, come on, just look back at me. I'm all you need. It's all about perspective. The other word was consider. It is your responsibility to perceive accurately. This is why it's so important to be in the Word daily. We read our Bibles. Let's say it again. We read our Bibles. Everybody, somebody I 'm not saying that because I don't read yesterday. It, listen <laughs> that's to encourage us to read our Bibles every day. not a mantra for religion, okay Why do we do that? Perspective, accurate perspective. weariness and discouragement settle in because we lack perspective <laughs> Perspective, right? For we consider him who endured. A weary and discouraged soul needs perspective. The writer of Hebrews acknowledges discouragement and weariness, then addresses their perspective. Chiefly, you're not dead. Isn't that great? What is he saying? You're still breathing. You still have opportunity. Don't get so discouraged that you don't recognize that the life in you has given you opportunity for something new today. Don't get to a place where you don't realize that the breath and the life that God has given you is your opportunity for breakthrough. He's saying you lack perspective. It's so funny that he says it that way. He says this, uh, this verse four, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed. In other words, you haven't died yet. Don't you love him? It's so funny. Dude, you're still alive. You got it. You got this. You're breathing. You haven't been beat yet. Read that chapter of 11. They went through a lot of things because they believed God. We haven't gone through that yet. You have fallen into various trials, but you're still breathing, and each moment is a new opportunity. Trials and tribulation always come with promises for wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, go with me there. Trials and tribulation always come with promises for wisdom. God does not leave you in a trial or tribulation without a way out. Verse 6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. For the Lord stores up sound wisdom and knowledge. That's so amazing. You ever been in a trial and a tribulation? You don't know what to do. You know, the Bible says, look to Jesus. Come to the storeroom where I've got your box, your name on a box. And there's wisdom in there, and there's knowledge in there. It's stored up with your name on it. So if you have a trial or tribulation, just ask for your box. <laughs> Say, God, I need my wisdom box. Where's the knowledge box, Lord? I need that. He says, come on, come on over here. Let me pull it down right here. Okay, for this trial, you're going to need to do this. For this one, you're going to need to do this. And right here, you've got to watch that. That's what that's like. He said, He stored up. Knowledge and wisdom. He has the answer for every trial and tribulation you will ever be in. That's great news. (laughs) Come on. That's great news. That is good news. Okay, so reason number three to not quit Jesus is my why. That's your number three. Jesus is my why. Reason number four to not quit. This is for Thursday. Ready? Verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 12 says this You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Say, You have forgotten. Say, Forgotten. Weariness and discouragement come because we forgot. We forgot whose we are. We forgot who we are. What does it says? You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. As sons. You forgot that you have a father. You forgot who your daddy was. That's what that scripture says. You forgot who your daddy was. You forgot to receive instruction from him. You forgot to receive peace from him. You forgot to come to him and ask for your box of knowledge and wisdom. You forgot about your father and you forgot that you were a son or daughter. So you're trying to walk through trial, tribulation and trouble. By the way, trouble is stuff you get yourself into, right? You're trying to get through all that and you haven't asked God. You forgot and you're going to be stuck until you remember, (laughs) Right? You forgot to ask him. He's your good daddy. He's not your sugar daddy. He's your good daddy. (laughs) There's a difference. Some people treat God like a sugar dad. Like, just give me what I need and want. Mm -mm. No, a good father becomes a father to you. He teaches you. He instructs you. He gives you wisdom. He teaches you to fish, right? That's a good father. So what you have to do when you forget that you're a son or daughter, you have to put your circumstance into context. First, you have to remember who you belong to and who your daddy is. You have to put your tribulation, your trouble, or your trial into this context. I am a daughter of God. Everything I'm experiencing, everything I'm in the middle of, first of all, I'm a daughter of the king. First of all, that's my context, right? That's my first context. Next, I have to figure out, am I in a trial, tribulation, or trouble? Trial and tribulations come. We're all going to experience them. Life isn't easy. But a trouble is something I got myself into because I was disobedient either to the word or to what God said. Now, None of those trial, tribulation, or trouble uh, uh, disqualify you from becoming a son or daughter. They don't remove your status. They They just require different ways of getting out, if that makes sense. So a trial and a tribulation, you need wisdom for and knowledge. You need to go get your box of wisdom and knowledge. You need to look to the Lord a trouble. If you got yourself into there, a good dad is going to teach you how not to do it again and how to get out, right? So there may be repenting. You know what repent is? You turn around and you do the opposite. So if you're in the middle of a trouble you got yourself into, he's still a good father. But he's going to teach you how to get out. But you're going to have to receive him as your father and repent and do what he says to get out of it. Sometimes... We think we're in a trial when really we're in a trouble. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So we just want wisdom and knowledge. Lord, give me wisdom and knowledge. And he's saying, no, you need to say you're sorry. Right? Lord, I need provision. No, you need to go to work. (laughs) Right? You're not paying your bills because you're not working. That's in one situation or two, but not all situations, right? We had the situation earlier with Albert and Katie. We're doing what we're, we're supposed to do, God, and he comes through, right? That's a trial and tribulation. That's not a trouble. So you got to know how to get out of each one because a trial and tribulation, you ask for wisdom, a trouble, you have to admit to God that you did something wrong and that you want to learn how to get out of it, right? And he's a good dad. He's going to say, okay, this is how you do it right first of all you humble yourself and apologize and that relationship gets restored because you're walking out of a trouble and learning something new you're learning some new skills right that's another message all by itself let me show you let me give you an example of forgetting your context you remember esau esau uh esau he came uh to his brother at night after he'd been hunting For all day long, he had caught nothing, killed nothing. And he was hungry and tired. Anybody know what it's like to be hungry and tired? (laughs) Uh, We call that at our house, halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. What's going on? (laughs) Right? Everybody halts. What's going on with you? Well, he was hungry and tired. And he came to his brother and his brother had made some stew and he was so hungry. He said, oh, I'm so hungry. His brother takes advantage of him. And Esau ends up selling out his inheritance for a meal. When your circumstance is not put in the correct context, we sell out for temporary relief. When your circumstance is not put in context, you sell out for temporary relief. Esau sold all of his inheritance for one meal. How many times as believers, when we get tired, we make stupid decisions. Listen, when you're tired, don't make big decisions. Get some rest first. Refresh your soul. Then make your decisions. Right? Repeat after me. I will put my circumstance in context. All right, reason number 5 to not quit. You are receiving an unshakable kingdom. You are receiving an unshakable kingdom. Hebrews 12:25 says this, see that you do not refuse him, God, who speaks, whose voice when shook the earth once, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promising yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Let me explain that scripture. When life shakes, when culture shakes, When morality shakes, when man-made systems shake, at the same time, simultaneously as a believer, you are receiving an unshakable kingdom. When everything's going haywire around you, you are receiving something that is concrete, unshakable, immovable. It's called the kingdom of God. Remember when John the Baptist came? He said, repent, the kingdom of God is coming, right? Jesus came. Repent, the kingdom of God is coming. What do we say as a church? Repent, the kingdom of God is coming. It's an unshakable, concrete, fixable kingdom. Everything else is going nuts around you, which there's been some crazy stuff happening. Anybody go through your Facebook feed or your you see the news on Twitter or you see the news and you think, Oh my gosh, our world's done lost their mind you haven't lost yours. you have an unshakable kingdom in fact, in First John or John, it says this: Jesus is talking." to his disciples and he says this peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid you are receiving an unshakable kingdom sometimes when we hear the things that are going on in our world our ears and our heart get weary and they get heavy and when that happens can I encourage you close your eyes and know this Peace I leave for you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Neither let it be afraid. I give peace. Not like the world gives. But I give you peace from a God who knows peace. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. You are receiving something that is unshakable. Reason number five to not quit. You are receiving an unshakable kingdom. At the same time when the world's going crazy, when everybody's done lost their minds, you have an unshakable God. Who gives you sound mind, right? Repeat after me. I am, I am. receiving Receive. an unshakable kingdom. kingdom. Reason number six to not quit. I like this one. You have what it takes. Galatians 2 20 says this, for I've been crucified with Christ is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life, which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me explain that to you for a minute. Anybody know, uh, the soundtrack of your life in your mind. Do you know you talk to yourself? Oh yeah, we all do it. Introvert, extrovert, don't matter. You do it. You think you have minds, you have thoughts in your head. You know when, you're, when, the, when the babies are little, you know what they do? They talk to themselves. This Lego goes over here, and this Lego goes over here, and the car comes in here, right? When they're little. Or when they're two, and their little girl, the baby dog goes over here, and the baby dog, we're going to put her over here. Okay, some of you have not spent enough time with preschoolers, but this is what they do all day long. In fact, little Brielle Sanchez, she's the master at this. She'll come up to you. With absolutely nothing in her hand and she will say to you would you like a muffin and you will say because this is what you say to a three-year-old of course i would like a muffin what kind is it and she will tell you blueberry and then she will tell you that you don't like blueberries she'll go get you a strawberry one remember there's nothing in her hands (laughs) she is talking herself through something we're born to do that to talk ourselves through something We don't lose that ability. We just learn how to keep it all inside. (laughs) We don't talk to it. Well, we're going to go over here for lunch and then we're going to go over here. You know, we don't do that as adults, right? But we do it in here. We do think through what we're going to do, right? I hope you do. You rehearse where you're going, what you're doing. You think, right? That's called thinking. Sometimes in our thoughts, something gets rewired and experience rewires it or an, an impact of some kind. And we have these kind of thoughts. You've done that before, but it didn't work. You're a failure at that. I want to try that. You don't have enough for that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can I give you a tool for the soundtrack of your mind? (laughs) Here's your tool. Just read you the scripture. It says, Christ, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The murmuring that goes on on the inside of your head, here are some words for you to fight back with. It's important that you know how to do this because the victory is won in your head. You are living today what you saw yesterday. That's a different sermon altogether, but here's your words. You ready? Christ is in me. Say it. Christ is in me. I am enough. Fear goes back to the fear of lack or the fear of not being enough. So what do we fight it with? We fight it with Christ is in me. I am enough. Don't say I'm enough by itself because you're not. That's true. You got to say them together. Christ is in me. I am enough. Christ is in me. I am enough. Whenever I have a fear, whenever I fear lack or I fear I can't do it, Christ is in me. I am enough there's your tool. That was free and it was good. Christ in me, I am enough. Reason number 7 to not quit. You have heard and you have seen. Back to John, 1 John, chapter 1. Well, you can get a lot out of our daily reading. That which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, the life was made manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, do you hear how many times he repeats that? We declare to you, we declare to you, what have you seen God do for you? What have you seen God do for you? Has he saved you from your sins? Has he restored hope when you didn't have hope even once? If he did it for you, even one time you have something to declare. If he healed your body one time, you have something to declare. If he restored a whispered hope to your heart one time, you have something to declare. You have seen and you have heard how good God is. Reason number seven to not quit, because you have seen and you have heard, and there's no going back. You've seen and you have heard. When I was eight years old, the Lord began to talk to me very consistently. I had learned to read. So I was reading the Bible often. And uh, I would go to services. Uh, it was old school church then, old school church. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's Okay. <laughs> We had, I watched as an eight year old people get healed all the time. I watched people's legs grow out. I watched a lady get healed from arthritis from her head to her toe. I have seen and heard. 31 years now, you know how old I am. Okay, move forward. 31 years of seeing and hearing the goodness of God. 31 years. This circumstance ain't nothing but a thing. I put it in context. 31 years of seeing God be faithful. This is nothing. He's been faithful over and over again. I've seen and I've heard and I've touched and I've experienced. And I'm going to declare and declare and declare and declare and declare until my circumstance becomes my context. (laughs) That context overtakes it. I'm going to declare it.